0: Here, Now broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again
1: made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Well, holy cow, you can't make this script up. You can't make the script up. (laughs) People want to talk about Donald Trump and unforced errors. Holy cow, you can't make this stuff up. Elizabeth Warren, affectionately referred to as the bad Pocahontas. You want to talk about stepping in it in a way that is spectacular. Donald Trump at his worst has not managed to do what Elizabeth Warren has done to herself inside of about 24 hours. Hey, it is your South Florida friend, uh, Brian Mudd. Uh, I do a morning show, WJNO, in West Palm Beach. I do a mid-morning show, WIOD, in Miami. And occasionally, I, I think when they are, uh, you know, kind of desperate for some radio people on TV, Fox News will get around to doing something with me. And the, the BBC, I did something with them last week on the midterm elections, and uh, it was great. I Actually, was, it was kind of waiting for the moment, like, you know, I'll give anything legal a try once. And uh, I was waiting for them to uh, to, to try to get me. they never did. Actually, it was just a a good experience. So uh, BBC World uh, Special on the midterm elections, that was actually a lot of fun. Now, we are three weeks away. Three weeks today, 21 days from the general election. And the entertainment, it's endless. It's absolutely endless. Elizabeth Warren, Pocahontas, the bad one. (laughs) You you take a look at her test. CNN, uh, headline here, Elizabeth Warren, releases tests with strong evidence of ancestry. Now, in the series of events that unfolded yesterday, you had the Boston Globe that I believe was the first to kind of lose their gourd over the... Oh, there's a test! There's a test! She really is a Native American. And I don't think they actually ended up really looking into the whole thing. They simply said, wow, she said she's got evidence. In fact, the Boston Globe even miscalculated badly. Only by a factor of about a thousand, how much native blood she may have in her. But they weren't the only ones to run with it. This is CNN. They ran with it, too. Here's an excerpt from a story. There's yesterday. Senator Elizabeth Warren has released the results of a DNA analysis showing she has distant Native American ancestry and an apparent attempt to preempt further questions and attacks should she run for president in 2020. Warren first faced scrutiny for her purported Native American heritage during her 2012 Senate race, but President Donald Trump has revived and amplified the controversy as he eyes Warren as a possible rival, frequently mocking her with the name Pocahontas. But Warren has now documented and uh, in, in obtained documentation to back up her family lore, an analysis of her genetic data performed by Carlos Bustamante. Gotta love that name too, right? Bustamante. The name of credibility. A professor of genetics at Stanford and an advisor to Ancestry and 23andMe. In a rollout video about Warren's heritage, the Massachusetts Democrat is seen sitting behind a laptop as she calls Bustamante. Now the president likes to call my mom a liar, Warren asks him. What do the facts say? Bustamante responds, the facts suggest that you absolutely have a Native American ancestor in your pedigree. Isn't that the way that humans talk to one another, by the way? Pedigree? Isn't that when we're usually like talking about a breed of an animal? Not necessarily. <laughs> just, I have never, in, in the, the context of this conversation, whether it's in my family or with somebody else and talking about their ancestry, no, your pedigree. You can tell me about your your pedigree. So anyway, Bustamante talks of her pedigree. Warren is shown nodding. Bustamante's full report now posted on Warren's website, along with other supporting documents and interviews detailing her background. According to the report, oh, this is just kind of a minor detail here. The majority of Warren's identifiable ancestry is European. Oh. However, the report adds, however, the analysis also identified five genetic segments as Native American in origin at high confidence. Bustamante's analysis places Warren's Native American ancestor between six and ten generations ago, with a report estimating eight generations. Uh, Okay, <laughs> so let's take a look at something here. This is where the Boston Globe and their, their math really got off track, by the way really got off track trying to figure out uh, the, the six to ten generations. Okay, so if maybe there was a little bit of a Native American thing going on, eh, let's say eight generations ago, what would that equal here? And the answer, Elizabeth Warren, as it turns out, is more lily white than whitey white folk like perhaps you and me. That's is what the experts have actually been able to find after they dug into the report on our website. Whoops. Now, all throughout the course of the day, I have heard from my, my friends, the libs here in, in South Florida, as I've been talking about this, and the noise continues to be loud out there on social media, and it is fascinating the dearth of knowledge on this particular subject that seemingly the average leftists want to be socialist actually has about Elizabeth Warren. Commonly received the question, well, why is it, why is it that this is even an issue? Well, the first thing happens to be she just made it one again, didn't she? I mean, this was her deal. Nobody told her to go out there and get, oh, actually, President Trump did. <laughs> President Trump did. In fact, uh, do you have cut three ready?
2: They're going to cover Pocahontas? Who was, is... think of it. Think of it. She of the great tribal heritage. What tribe is it? Uh, Let me think about that one. (laughs) Meantime, she's based her life on being a minority. Pocahontas. They always want me to apologize for saying it. And I hereby... Oh, no, I want to apologize. I'll use tonight. Pocahontas, I apologize to you. I apologize. To you, I apologize. To To the fake Pocahontas, I won't apologize. No, it's causing her problems. You know, that name's good because
1: now even the liberals are saying, take a test, take a test. There you go. She took the test. The always entertaining and prescient Donald J. Trump, president of the United States at a rally back in July. She took the test. So she's the one who put it back out there. Maybe you you have to wonder, you think that the president prompting her like that? You think she was like, I'm going to take the test. And then you, you figure she's supposed to be Ivy League educated, right? When you actually like try to figure out exactly what the results of your test would mean before you go out there and say, yeah, you know, I'm uh, I'm jerky. Here it is. And then the experts go, Uh actually, no, you are whiter than the average white folk here in the United States. Just saying. Oh, by the way. But that wasn't the best smackdown of all. Now, in the, in the grand scheme of. Of entertainment and uh, the the full fledged WWE version kind of SmackDown here, that came from none other than the Cherokee Nation Secretary of State Chuck Hoskin Jr. This was the statement that he put out yesterday. "Quote: Current DNA tests do not even distinguish whether a person's ancestors were indigenous to North or South America." Sovereign tribal nations set their own legal requirements for citizenship and while DNA tests can be used to determine lineage, such as paternity to an individual, it's not evidence for tribal affiliation. Oh, By the way, using a DNA test to lay claim to any connection to the Cherokee Nation or any tribal nation, even vaguely, is inappropriate and wrong. It makes a mockery out of DNA tests and its legitimate uses while also dishonoring legitimate tribal governments and their citizens whose ancestors are well-documented and whose heritage is proven. Senator Warren is undermining tribal interests with her continued claims of tribal heritage. And once again, boom, goes the dynamite. Any questions? You now, you can have the the president of the United States refer to Elizabeth Warren a bad Pocahontas, as he might say, as a fraud. But really, all you have to do is listen to the secretary of the Cherokee Nation that she claims to be a part of, who calls her a fraud. Oh, by the way, I mean details. You know these little things. So part of the the liberal argument that I've heard of answered throughout the day is, well, I mean, what difference does it make anyway in Trump's tax returns? Okay. Let's talk about the, the tax return thing real quick. So let's say that at worst, you think he got something on Trump, Trump's tax returns. Here's a person who lies literally about who she is and always has. And the problem is for folks who say, well, I mean, but who did it hurt? Oh, but it wasn't, it wasn't a victimless crime. There had been problems here. As a matter of fact, She's used it every step of the way to gain benefit in law school, to gain career benefit, to identifying as a minority. Now, somewhere there is someone who is supposed to obtain the type of benefit that the bad Pocahontas received by virtue of her using her faux Indian status to obtain Financial benefits, to obtain status, to obtain a position in a program that she wouldn't have otherwise attained. Every step of her career path was a fraud, was a fraud. So, yes, there are victims, the people that never had the opportunities, and for that matter, what are the odds that had she never had those opportunities by virtue of her fraud committed against all these institutions? What are the odds that she would have been in a position to become a United States senator in the first place? Two sides to stories, one side of facts. Again, the president, he calls her the bad book honest. He calls her a fraud. But when the secretary of the Cherokee Nation does, uh, you know, how about going straight to this source? <laughs> this is Brian Mudd. I'm in. For the great one, much lovin'.
2: She's been consistently misleading the people of Massachusetts and the American people uh, in saying that she had this claim. Now we we know there's no real conclusive proof that she has uh, Native
1: American identity. That is uh, Jeff Deal. The Republican, also known as cannon fodder, in the Massachusetts Senate race. What happened? What happened, Massachusetts? Once upon a time, not all that long ago, there was some semblance of pragmatism. Elizabeth Warren? And at this point, here's the question. Jeff Deal, the Republican in this race, has been trailing by an average somewhere in the neighborhood about 25 points. Is there any chance that the backfire here is enough to move the needle even reasonably? Jeff, I uh, ended up calling today on Elizabeth Warren to drop out on back of her being Pocahontas and her entire test backfiring on her quite spectacularly. But y- you take a look, and I mean not to project anything onto the good folks with questionable voting habits in Massachusetts right now. But heck, take a look at, at New Jersey. We got a Senator Menendez. He He's still leading in the poll. What happens? What does it take? Do you actually have to be inside of a jail cell before you'll not be voted for if you're a Democrat, Massachusetts or or Jersey? What happened, people? Come on now. it got to be some sense left in there somewhere. So anyway, uh, Jeff Deal, uh, everybody just in case, because for many, uh, including potentially even some folks in Massachusetts, might be the first time you've even heard the guy's name, but he's trying to give him credit. By the way, uh, I'm Brian Mudd in for Mark Levin. You can catch me at Brian Mudd Radio and talking about the fun that the president has had on back of Elizabeth Warren's botched rollout of her test, proving that those high cheekbones she talked about really had something to it. The president now tweeting today said Pocahontas, the bad version, sometimes referred to as Elizabeth Warren. It's getting slammed. She took a bogus DNA test and has showed that she may be one in one thousand and twenty-four. Indian is what he's referring to there. Far less than the average American. Now Cherokee Nation denies her. DNA test is useless. Even they don't want her. Phony. And he continued. He was not done there. He had a lot of fun this morning. He said, Now that her claims of being Indian of a, Indian heritage have turned out to be a scam and a lie. Elizabeth Warren should apologize for perpetuating this fraud against the American public. Harvard called her a person of color. Amazing con and would not have taken her otherwise. And again, this is the important point here when we're talking about the Elizabeth Warren deal. It's not just, oh, it's another politician lying. It's not that. Number one, it is a lie. It is a fraud that she has kept up her entire adult life. But secondly, it's not a victimless situation. She committed fraud for personal gain every single step of the way, educationally, professionally. She even went in because a couple steps along her career path, these Ivy League institutions, it identify her as uh, Caucasian. She made sure that she was always referred to and had, would have a change that she was Native American or a person of color. I mean, seriously, seriously. Ah, but in and the president still wasn't done. He said, thank you to the Cherokee Nation for revealing that Elizabeth Warren, sometimes referred to as Pocahontas. You can just see him and, and hear him saying that Can you? is a complete and total fraud. And again, you don't have to listen to me. You don't have to listen to the president. Of the United States. All you have to do, take it straight from the tribe that she claims to be part of. Uh, kind of tough. Kind of tough for her to rally back from that one. By the way, the, the president in terms of tweets, holy cow. He had all kinds of moments today. Including moments in with uh, Story Daniels. Now to be referred to as, I, I guess, horseface. <laughs> that uh, That happened today. But uh, we, we have a bunch of other stuff, obviously. It's been going on in the news. Including the Saudi Arabian situation. We'll be discussing that a little bit later in the show. We have the, oh, by the way, Honduran caravan part, whatever this is, 3.0, that is on its way here. And this was a really cool thing. president tweeting out, United States has strongly informed the president of Honduras that if the large caravan of people heading to the U.S. is not stopped and brought back to Honduras, no more money or aid will be given to Honduras, effective immediately. Well, thank you. This is the one thing I've never understood about foreign aid. Why is it that we give foreign aid to countries that screw us? Over and over and over. In the case of Honduras, we give them a billion and a half bucks per year. What the heck are we giving a billion and a half bucks to the Honduran government for? So they take it and then send their people out to try to crash their borders. Unreal. But anyway, president's paying attention. And if he does stop the aid, uh, step one to recovery when you're being
3: victimized. I am Brian Mutt. And for the great one, Mark Levin. 833 Ring B H N. Get 15% off your first order with promo code Levin. That's brickhouse, L E V I N.com, or call 833 Ring B H N, promo code Levin.
1: Mark Levin, an unapologetic patriot and unapologetic constitutionalist. You can reach him at
2: 877-381-3811. Medicare for all is a total lie. The Democrats are pushing a total takeover of health care. And I will tell you, it will be the worst thing that's ever happened to you and your family. Pelosi and Schumer and Bernie, they're all pushing to get this done. You'll have to double and even triple your taxes, and that won't be enough to pay for it. It's going to be a disaster for our country. It'll turn our country into a Venezuela, but that won't actually happen because I will never let it happen.
1: That's something else that's just kind of great about Donald Trump being president of the United States. You never got stuff like that from Bush. You wouldn't get that from anybody else. Just the straight truth right there. And boom, that was President Trump putting out a video about the fraud that is Medicare for all. In fact, when I was last with you Friday night, we were talking about the fraud that is Medicare for all. It's not just Pocahontas. That's a fraud. Medicare for all, which he is also pushing for, is a fraud. Bernie, it's a fraud. Andrew Gillum running for governor in Florida on a platform of attempting to impeach the president and Medicare for all. It's a fraud. And if you happen to miss that conversation Friday, here's the Reader's Digest version. Right now, you got 15% of the U.S. population on Medicare. 15%, all right? And you think about how many people pay into it. You working? Okay, you're paying into it. Now, 15% uh, on it, everybody working, paying into it. And we are set for insolvency in eight years, eight years, 2026. And by the way, that's not me talking. It's not uh, some kind of kooky right wing math from from some, that comes from the trustee, the trustee of Medicare. You see, after the uh, not so affordable care act was passed and you have the Democrats that diverted Medicare money. We went from seeing uh, Medicare begin insolvency in the 2030s to, well, 2026. So we're just eight years away from Medicare saying, uh, yeah, you know what? 9% of the benefits year one are going to go away, and it gets worse from there. Now, you have the president of the United States that's not uh, afraid to say it's a fraud. So for all the people that go, yeah, you know, I was uh, just over there smoking some dope, and Elizabeth Warren's making a lot of sense right now for that person. A, make sure they don't vote if you can help it. Because we should not have a... You know, everybody else, uh, I, I'm going to get off on a tangent real quick since I, I went there. You, you got all the PSAs. This time of year and these cycles always drive me crazy. You you have the, the vote or die type of PSAs that are out there. Everybody should vote. I vote. You vote. We vote. Bull crap. Every election has consequences. From local elections, especially local elections, all the way through, obviously, to El Presidente. The last thing I want... The dope smoking uninformed people making decisions. That's how we got in this mess. So anyway, friends don't let friends that smoke crap and go, you know, Elizabeth Warren's making a lot of sense. They don't they don't encourage them to register to vote, is all I'm saying. I I want as few ignorant people voting as possible. And that's my public service announcement. And I'm not afraid to say it. Oh, just Sometimes, because you know, one thing that you got to be very careful about in radio. Even if there are advertisements that you don't endorse, you, you can't come out of them and say, man, that message you just heard. I'm telling you, these voter things that are out there. Bull stinking crap. Now, if you're listening to this show. Yeah, good chance. I want you writes register to vote and voting on Election Day. But uh, now for, for, you hear it on like the you know, the, the station that's uh, playing uh, Taylor Swift right now, now probably don't want that person voting. She's going, wow, that Taylor Swift's making a lot of political sense right now. Or by the way, I'm going to tackle that coming up in the third hour of the show today. Ah, funny thing about how ignorant Taylor Swift actually is about Tennessee politics and how fake her Tennessee values are. In fact, you might say that Taylor Swift's Tennessee values are about as fake as, I don't know, Elizabeth Warren's Native American roots. But I digress because I was telling you about The Medicare for all fraud again. 15% of people on it. Everybody working, paying into it. What do you think happens if we put 100% of people on it? How's that work? Since this thing already doesn't work in 2026. uh, Any questions? I mean, that's just kind of stuck on stupid. If you travel down that rabbit hole and I don't, I've never smoked anything. So I wouldn't know. I'm guessing there's not enough dope in the world to have that math make sense. So, anyway, uh, let's go to uh, Joshua in D.C., the great WMAL. Go.
4: Hey, how you doing? Uh, All good. First-time caller, long-time listener. I'm 22. I'm a biology student. I know a little bit about genetics. Um, as you said, you know, if it's 10 generations, you know, it's in 1,024th uh bit of Native American. If we're conservative, she's like one 256th Native American. I mean, I'm probably 1,024th of like every race that there is. And like the, the thing that really frustrates me as a, as, a young, as a young thinking person is why can't uh, these politicians make their careers based on their own merit, on their own talent, on their own wisdom or their connection with the people and how to solve issues and stuff? It, it's pretty annoying.
1: God bless you. That this is the first time you've gotten through. I mean, amen, brother. <laughs> this is one of my, my all-time favorite calls, quite honestly. Uh, 21 years of doing radio. This is a moment that makes my heart sing. You are 22, you're in science, and you're in Washington, D.C., and you're making political sense. How did that happen, and and do you have any friends? I do have
4: plenty of friends. Uh, where There's a small revolution. Uh, but uh, um, I have to give a lot of credit to my parents, who really uh, invest a lot in me. And uh, just to frustrate you even more, uh, the word pedigree is actually like a technical term that we use in genetics. And it's because these people don't really see the difference between animals and people. It's the nice. same thing. So, so we use pedigree for people and animals.
5: Ah, not cool reminds
1: me of uh who's that song you and me baby ain't nothing but mammal anyway uh that amazing josh i mean really uh long live you and spread your wisdom to as many people as possible lord knows we could use it there uh great call great call all right let's go to uh peter and illinois all right peter i uh I, I, it's a tough act to follow so you, you've got to up your game that was a, a pretty uh, impressive call there
5: Well, when you were talking about the uh, brain dead voters in Massachusetts, you have to remember that these are the same people who, after Teddy Kennedy left a woman to drown in the bottom of Chappaquiddick, reelected him six times back to the United States Senate.
1: (laughs) You raise a very important and interesting point. In fact, the only thing that he did get disqualified from was, uh, well, ultimately his presidential bid at that point. And uh, you're right. If you could ultimately get away with Chappaquiddick and you still get reelected in Massachusetts, uh, you know what? I, I defer. That is is uh, that that is an excellent point, which, by the way, th- that whole thing, and, and it's fascinating. And by the way, every now and then, uh, because of the last name, people will think that. Uh, because I'm in broadcasting, I am directly related to the person who helped break that story, one Roger Mudd back then. And I am not. I am not. Uh, somewhere in the very uh, outer lines of our genetics, of our pedigree, you might say, there would be uh, some overlap. But actually, I am uh, more aligned with infamy. Uh, there, There is one infamous member of the, the family that I am directly related to, and that would be Dr. Samuel Mudd, who may be familiar, was uh, one of the uh, co-conspirators in the assassination of Lincoln. He was the doctor, actually fixed Booth's leg and ended up having a whole kind of interesting deal where he went to the tri Tortugas, and yeah, that's a story for a different day. But anyway, that is my relation, not Roger Mudd, who broke Chappaquiddick, which, by the way, it's kind of interesting. A lot of people thought after that, oh, Roger must be the, this Republican guy. He's now, best I know to this day, he's still a Democrat. It's just that he was doing his job. Imagine that. Back then, you actually had some people in the news business that did their job. and Kind of like, you know, you had Kennedy that was running against uh, Carter there. You know, Captain Peanut. Good old friend, Jimmy Carter. That was my nickname for him uh, in, in Georgia, by the way. I'm from suburban Atlanta. So a uh, nickname was always Captain Peanut. In fact, one of my uh, favorite parodies from many years ago was I uh, remember the Mounds and Almond Joy commercials. You know, sometimes you feel like a nut. I, I kind of had some parodies like that. You know, sometimes you feel like a nut. Sometimes you are one, you know, in hey, plenty of, of Jimmy Carter isms that you could throw in there. So anyway, just uh, as an aside. But yes, uh, that cleared the path for Jimmy Carter to uh, to win the nomination again for the Democrats and get his butt whipped by one Ronald Reagan. So. That story, at least, was happily ever after for the country, not so heavily ever after for Massachusetts or for the United States Senate, uh, because, to your point, he continued to win time after time after time. All right, uh, so a couple things here. When we are taking a look, three weeks away from Election Day, there's a lot to keep in perspective, and one of the things that I will frequently point out, if you um, have Heard me anywhere along the way. You, you've you probably heard me say things like there are two sides to stories. There are one side, two facts tend to be pretty uh, particular about the facts. You know, you don't get it. It's kind of like, you know, it, it, we're really not having a conversation about you being a Native American, Elizabeth Warren, because, well, you're not right. So you you, you can't you would that that would embrace a false premise, which then takes me to. The premise If the premise, of anything is false, then anything built upon it is as well. Last Friday, I introduced the sliding scale of morality, which means that people always wonder, how is it you'll have somebody who on their best day seems like a pretty good person? And then somewhere along the way, wow, they really are awful. And they're stabbing you in the back in their line. And and that's because you have some people that have a moral compass that is stronger than others. You know, let's say that on our best day, we're an eight out of a one through ten, a ten being perfect, which none of us are. Well, if you're an eight, even on a bad day, you're probably not going to be worse than a five. Therefore, when you're at your weakest, you're, worse. you're not going to go out of your way to hurt somebody else for your own personal benefit. Well, then you bring into it somebody like, uh, oh, I don't know. Elizabeth Warren, clearly, clearly on the sliding scale of morality, one Elizabeth Warren pretty amoral person because she is willing to hurt somebody. It's not just that she's willing to commit fraud. It's that she is willing to hurt somebody for personal gain. And once again, not a victim of sc- crime because somewhere many times over all throughout her academic career, throughout her professional career, leading up to the time that she was a United States Senator, she took the slot of an actual native American. So somebody did get hurt. It's pretty amoral on the sliding scale of morality. That is the willingness to hurt somebody for your own personal benefit. Uh, So, yeah, put it all together. Two sides of stories, one side of facts, the premise, and the sliding scale of morality. What you ultimately get is that, yes, Elizabeth Warren, sometimes referred to as Pocahontas, is a bad person who is pretty amoral. And again... Two sides to stories, one side of facts. If you want to be the person who defends taking the slot of an actual Native American, and you can justify that, well, bring it on. We'll have that conversation. <laughs> we can also talk to the Cherokee Nation as well, because they have a few things to say about it. We'll continue the conversation. I'm Brian Mudd, in for the great one. Mud, Lovin'.
6: you running?
2: Yes,
6: 100%. Michael Bloomberg might be running. That's good. Yeah?
2: Yeah, sure. I think it'd be easy. I think it'd be so easy. How do you I don't think, think he do? Get through... Well, I don't uh... think he'll get through the Democrats. In other words, he wouldn't be able to do anything
7: in the primaries because I don't of think where the through. party's going? No, I don't
2: think he the get it. think I think the Democrats will eat him up. You know, you have a lot of people running. I'm mm-hmm. hearing names that are shockingly bad, but they're nasty.
1: That was the uh, president with Trish Regan just a little while ago of Fox Business. They covered all kinds of territory, ended up having a couple quotes that made news, And the least of which was about the Fed saying that they're the biggest threat to the economy. Uh, so if you've seen people get hysterical about that, uh, it, it happened during that particular interview. But something has happened over the last several days that led me to go ahead and do something a little bit early. I wouldn't usually do this until after the general election. One, because it's kind of annoying. To me, it's like the the point at which we're not even into September. And you go into the store and the Halloween stuff is all rubbing up against the Christmas. Like, seriously? Come on now. A little space. A little distance. It's not necessary. Not yet, right? Can we not get through the midterm election before it's about 2020? I mean, seriously. But because you have... Really, the 2020 election that started during the Kavanaugh hearings. Because, remember, the only reason we have Spartacus was because of 2020. Oh, I don't even about Brett Kavanaugh. That was his moment. That was his, I am Spartacus moment, right? His, uh, his 15 minutes of pontificating and lecturing. And then you have... Uh, Cory Booker, Spartacus, who, who went to Iowa. Can you imagine what that's like, by the way? Can you imagine someone like Cory Booker marching into Iowa? I mean, the, the first thing is, just think about how much your elitist leftists loathe the, the center part of the flyover country. You know, 96% of the landmass of the United States of America is red, and you start taking a look at where the majority of that is. So you here you have Spartacus marching into Iowa to test the waters over the weekend. I mean seriously, yeah, Kamala Harris holding her nose and ooh, leaving California to go to the South. She went to South Carolina. Ah, imagine how painful that is for her. And of course, why do we have the the test? The Native American ancestry test by one referred to occasionally as Elizabeth Warren. the really, the bad Pocahontas. Well, it's ultimately because she's also running right now for 2020. Now, she might have just taken herself out of it. We, we shall see. Although, who knows? In, in Democratic ranks, this might be a rallying call. But because all this is going on, and you even have the president of the United States being asked about 2020 on a near daily basis, I feel the need to tell you this. President Donald Trump will likely be reelected. There you go. Done. Back to you. Trump, odds are he's reelected. Now, before you just sit there and go, well, that sounds pretty baseless. No, it's not even anything to do with the economy. It's not anything to do with all of the record improvements that we've been seeing. Here's the first reason why the odds are in his favor he's an incumbent president running for re election. So let's start there. 65% of presidents who run for re election win. And in order not to win, you have to be as lame as Captain Peanut, the aforementioned Jimmy Carter, or you have to do something like read my lips. No new taxes and then raise taxes. And then you get yourself a Ross Perot, and it splits the vote. So coming up, I will give you a little bit of the background about that 65%. And we'll get into some of what's going on in Saudi Arabia as well. It is uh it's festive. We we have a lot to talk about. We're just getting warmed up. I am Brian Mudd, and for the great one, Mark Levin.
3: Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouse, L-E-V-I-N.com, offer code LEVIN. He's here.
0: He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Levin.
6: You've mentioned uh, some of these, these deals. Uh, there's some arms deals at stake right now uh, in Saudi Arabia. They're, they're having a big, big, right. it's called the Davos of the Desert conference. Right. Uh, and uh, given the news out of
4: yeah.
6: that part of the world with the Washington Post columnist uh, going into the embassy and, and never coming out, are you still going to send a delegation? Are you still going to send well, Secretary Well, what we have Mnuchin? right now
2: is Mike Pompeo, who's terrific, who's done a great job, Secretary of State. Mm-hmm is with the king right now and the crown prince, mm-hmm. literally as we speak, and we're trying to find out what went on. Mm-hmm. And a lot will be determined. He hasn't gotten back to me. He's going to probably over the next couple of hours, mm-hmm. sometime prior to your show. Okay. But uh, he will be getting back to me, and you'll start hearing what is happening. Turkey's looking at it very strongly. We're all looking at it together, but Turkey and Saudi Arabia are looking at it very strongly. Mm-hmm. And it depends whether or not the king or the crown prince knew about it, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. number one, what happened, but whether or not they knew about it. If they knew about it, that would be bad.
1: All right, so details there, details. And by the way, I hope we have lots of people accounting for Pompeo because we know what can happen when you go into buildings and then you have Saudi officials and then... They come out, and, and uh, well, not everybody who went into that building happens to. There is an unholy alliance we've had for quite some time, and it's been with Saudi Arabia. Now, in the context of Saudi Arabia, it seems like we're making a lot of progress. I mean, shoot, women can drive. Yeah. I mean, come on, right? They're like uh, totally cool people. I mean, just, you want to talk about hu- human rights. I mean, Saudi Arabia, yeah, women, women can drive now. Might even let them get a, a little education. I mean, shoot. And by the way, isn't it fascinating? Because y- you have this new, younger king who, who's like, yeah, look at me. Women's rights, you may drive. Uh-huh. And you have the left that's kind of like rallied around him. new king's kind of like this celebrity in Hollywood. And a lot of them think he's super cool. Now, one thing they might not think is super cool is Sharia law. Now, Little detail about Sharia law. It's evil, and I'm going to give you a little background here in uh, just a minute about some of what still goes on with Saudi Arabia and a lot of the other Middle Eastern governments. By the way, I am Brian Mudd. I am your South Florida friend. I uh, do a morning show WJNO in West Palm Beach. I do a mid-morning show because you just can't get enough of me in four hours in South Florida. So I do another one uh, from ten until noon WIOD in Miami. And uh, it is truly an honor and a pleasure to be here anytime I, I am able to join you filling in for the great one, Mark Levin. By the way, you can catch me at Brian Mudd Radio on Twitter. Now, wrapping up last hour, I mentioned that President Trump was likely to be reelected. If for no other reason, then he is an incumbent president running for reelection. Historically, so nearly two-thirds of all incumbent presidents who run will win. Ultimately, what we have is a presidential election. It's about the incumbent president. So, frankly, it really doesn't matter, first and foremost, whether it's Spartacus or Pocahontas or whatever. It matters who and what Donald Trump is, represents, and what he's accomplished. And you really have to screw up. You really have to screw up in order to be an incumbent president and lose if you're running for re-election. I'm going to come back around to this Saudi Arabian thing here in a minute. So when you put this in context, you think about why. Because for folks on the left, they're just beside themselves. They can't figure out how in the world. I mean, on Inauguration Day, I had to listen to pinheads around here that was oh he he's he's out after that i mean well first is going to be impeached but he he would never be reelected i mean people already see the mistake they made like you you really just do not get it the first thing is when you're putting that in context you have to take a look at what it would take for someone who voted for that president not to vote for them again I mean, yes, you can have new voters that come about over the course of four years. And if all of those new voters leaned heavily in one direction, maybe, just maybe, you could move the needle. And by the way, I keep track of that. And I'm going to give you a little piece of a story I'm actually working on for my local shows here tomorrow. Just wrapped up the research on this a little while ago, checking in on the state's voter registration info. If you're interested to know how Florida has gone over the past couple of years since the 2016 presidential election, well, yes, uh, Florida did break for Donald Trump. Beyond that, at since the 2016 presidential election through today, there are 30,000 fewer Democrats registered to vote. Yeah, 30,000 fewer registered Democrats in Florida over the past two years. We have 51,000 additional Republicans registered to vote. Oh, by the way, probably not going to make the news anywhere, even stateside. And uh, we do have quite a few independents that have registered to vote over 100,000 there. My point being, even to the extent that we've seen people from a point of partisanship register to vote, it's not like they're all Democrats, even though you would think that every young person you hear all the time, all the young people are going out registering to vote, and then they're all Democrats. Well, we heard from Joshua 22 years old, Washington, D.C., in biology last hour, who's a thoughtful conservative. So if that can happen in D.C., well, it can happen other places, too. And so don't be surprised. That's part of the story. But beyond it, you got to think about what's happened here. And there is a lot, a lot to feel good about. First, you, you take a look at the economy. We have the best economy in a generation. I never faulted millennials for buying into the hope and change bullcrap. They didn't know better. They went through a school hearing from a bunch of people who didn't get in the education establishment. They get out there and go, yeah, this really does suck. They hear Obama and they go, I guess he's right. Until they actually are given an opportunity to see what the U.S. economy is capable of. And then you got some eyes that are open. Best economy in a generation. But we have two Supreme Court justices, tax reform, the end of the Affordable Care Act mandate, lowest unemployment rate in 49 years. And by the way, record low unemployment for all demographics except Asian and white men. Yeah, remember how it's all about the white men, white men and Asian men, the only only demos out there that are not at record low unemployment right now. Oh, by the way. But. You also have the biggest increase in that take-home pay in 32 years. By the way, I mentioned that, I believe, on Friday, and I received some notes from some angry folks on the left. Always happy to try to deal with them, but I want to lay the groundwork for that one once again because it's not hard to get there. It is a little math, and it's easier than calculating the Pocahontas math if you're the Boston Globe listening. It works like this. You take the overall salary that the average person was making last year, you take a look at what it is today. By the way, it's you about 2.8% base salary year over year. Okay? All right. Then you take a look at the average bonus that has been paid out so far this year. When you do that, that gets you a little bit over 3%. And then you take a look at the average net benefit of the tax cuts, which happens to be, for the average full-time employed person, about 1800 bucks this year. You put all that together, and boom, you get 6.7%. Ain't complicated. Two sides of stories, one side the facts. It's real. And by the way, in the event that you're the angry leftist that goes, yeah, but I, I haven't seen any benefit from the tax cut. Well, that's because you nor your employer probably did anything about it, which, by the way, approximately 30 million people who are in that situation where employers didn't make good adjustments, you didn't make adjustments, so if you're not seeing it, It'll be reconciled when you file your taxes. And congratulations, you'll have likely given the government an interest-free loan. But it's still there because well over 90% of people do benefit from the new tax law. But that's all the cool stuff, right? I mean, all that progress that I just cited. You have to ask yourself, well, if you voted for Donald Trump, why would you vote against that in two years? The answer is, if anything, he probably has attracted more votes. If he did nothing else, no other accomplishments, and what was status quo from here until 2020, he probably gets reelected. And again, 65% of presidents who run for reelection win. So if he were less successful than he is, he would still likely be reelected in 2020. But here's the, the next point, and this is the understated point. I'm going to work on something conceptually before I give you some facts. We'll do that in a little bit. How often were we talking about domestic terrorism? Think about that. How often did we have radicalized domestic homegrown terrorism in the United States prior to Donald Trump becoming president? That was a fairly regular occurrence, wasn't it? Now, you take a look at not having that problem. You take a look at not having Tea Party and and white people specifically. Oh, these are angry white men that are singled out by the Obama administration as the number one folks on the watch list. And instead, you have people that do fit the profile for potential Islamic terrorism that have been number one domestically under the Trump administration. And guess what? Doesn't make the news if they stop it before it happens, which happens a lot. Which happens a lot. And the foreign policy success, I'm not just talking about North Korea and the fact that to date we've at least kept Russia at bay or that Syria, as much of a mess as it is, has been dealt with about as peacefully and with as little damage to the United States and our interests as we could have hoped for at this point. I'm not even talking about all that. I'm not even talking about the trade deals that have been worked out thus far to our benefit that are often under-discussed. I'm talking about the near eradication of ISIS, but also the implications for other parts of the Middle East. Now, one of the amazing turnabouts in all this had been Saudi Arabia. We actually have had Saudi Arabia under the Trump administration say that they are with us, with Israel, a Middle Eastern country, saying they're with Israel against Iran. That's holy cow material. Now, that's where this whole situation with hey we got this journalist who by the way you know has an interesting history of his own that goes into a consulate in Turkey we have some uh, folks from uh, the the Saudi regime that enter and uh, a few hours later they leave and you know probably not putting his foot feet up by uh, eating bonbon so we we have a missing journalist okay that's where this whole situation gets complicated because we've made some progress with Saudi Arabia. But the problem is, back to my sliding scale of morality. If you are not very moral at the start of your compass, you can become pretty evil at the root of it. And it's important to know who and what these people are that we're still dealing with. And I'll bring you the rest of the story as the late great one would have said. Uh, I'm going to bring you that coming up here on the other side. I am Brian Mudd in for the great one.
7: he walked into that building and there's no video of him walking out so either he's still in there somewhere or he's dead Um, That's really the only explanation for it. If there was video of him leaving the facility, I think common sense tells you the Saudis would have produced it. Who did it? How they did it? I think we have to assume the worst, and we'll see. Well,
1: there you go. Pretty straightforward. Marco Rubio kind of laying it out. So uh, where's Waldo? Where's Waldo? You know, our uh, friend formerly known as uh, Jamal Kasagi. All right, so as this situation plays out, I laid the groundwork by saying... Probably the greatest accomplishment of all of the Trump administration is actually the one we think about the least day to day because we're not dealing with the problems. Every day we see the benefit of the economy we got in front of us. But we kind of forget that, yeah, you know what? We did used to have all those domestic radicalized terrorists all the time. We haven't had those problems of late. By the way, I'm not superstitious, so I'm not trying to jinx anybody here. But guess what? That doesn't mean that they don't happen around the world. I referenced sharia law we got some problems here there was uh, a real education that i undertook after we went into iraq so i uh i went along with the narrative that hey you know uh yeah i mean afghanistan's the target yeah some bin been one, but hey we we know that uh we know that we got problems there. Saddam Hussein, bad dude. If he goes down, I mean, yeah, that, that that makes sense. And the people, if they could be free, they're going to want to be free, not understanding all of the complications. So once things didn't work out exactly the way that we all hoped and were kind of led to believe that they would, I decided I was going to go straight to the source and read the Quran. It starts out, by the way, and I'll give you the Reader's Digest if you're not familiar Starts out kind of like sunshine and lollipops, and by the end, uh, yeah, it's kind of like, uh, hey, if you don't see the world the way we do, uh, you die, and by whatever means necessary. The groundwork, ultimately, the groundwork under Sharia. Now, you have Islam practice, obviously, in many different sects, some of which are positive, but Sharia is not. Sharia law, in all forms, is evil. And by the way, if you want to argue that Sharia law is not evil, uh, again, I, I guess you can, but then you have to make the case that women are subservient to, to men, that if a woman is raped, for example, she should still be stoned to death because she had sex with the rapist. I mean, just details, you know, that if you're homosexual, that's why I always like about the lefties who like to come out and don't understand Sharia law, for, for you lefties. If you are uh, homosexual, guess what? You get stoned because you're homosexual. Or, you know... These days, they, they just kind of, sometimes they don't get the whole formal stoning thing together. They, they just toss you up buildings or whatever. But see, part of the problem in us being somewhat immune from the realities of Islamic terror, we can take for granted the safety that we have day to day that is not present elsewhere in the world. i got a little detail for you that you probably were not aware of. How many Islamic terror attacks do you think have happened that have been documented Around the world, so far in 2018. Let's think about it for a second. Got a number? Okay. Try 1,589. <laughs> Probably a little bit higher than what you thought. See, just today, for example, in Mali, you had a terror attack: a woman riding her donkey blown up by an Islamic terrorist. Earlier today, in Afghanistan. You had four citizens that were bombed by Taliban. You probably didn't even know that yesterday in France, you had a man attack somebody with a chisel, praising Allah. Probably didn't know about that. See, even sometimes in countries like France, it doesn't get reported over here. There's a lot more to that story. Sharia is at the root of it. And guess what? There are still tenants of that in Saudi Arabia. It's where the situation becomes that much more complicated. We'll continue the conversation. Still just getting going. I'm Brian Mudd, and for the great one, Mark Levin.
3: With a daily fake news dump pouring through your TV, mobile phones and computers, you may have missed some real news like the recent study in the journal Cell Metabolism. Scientists suspected a correlation between growing rates of obesity and processed foods But what this study discovered was that these foods also appear to lead people to overeat. Here's the bottom line. You need fresh fruits and vegetables in your diet, which is why I recommend that you start taking Field of Greens by Brickhouse Nutrition. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. It helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. This is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, that's BrickHouseLevin.com, and you'll get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. You know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day, with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com BrickHouseLevin.com Offer code LEVIN
1: The new American revolution starts here. The Mark Levin Show. Call in at 877-381-3811
5: We're going to demand answers. The world deserves answers. And uh, the president and I and our administration are going to continue
1: uh, to call for answers to see that those uh, responsible are held to account. Answers are good, okay? Vice President Mike Pence there on uh, the mysterious case of uh, not Benjamin Button, but uh, Jamal Kasagi, who has gone missing two weeks ago today. And at this point, I, it's rather obvious. Now, we've heard the rumors that have come out of Saudi Arabia to where they're going to say, yeah, you know, I mean, look, we, that yeah, a crazy thing. Yeah, there's a little interrogation. And, yeah, you know, I, I mean, the, it would just, I just really hated when, when we accidentally kill him. I, I'm sorry, sorry, we won't do it again, really. That apparently is what we're eventually going to get, or at least that's the rumor of what we're going to get out of Saudi Arabia. While also having the assertion that, uh, hey, the king. This young and and hip king, who said women can drive now. I mean, come on, I mean, isn't he like, yeah, women can drive? So he's so so that guy. He doesn't know anything, and and he's not supposed to know anything. So that's where we we are in this process. By the, the way, the uh, president was even talking about that today. He said that uh, for the record, I have no financial interest in Saudi Arabia, but he also said that he spoke with the king, and hey, he denies everything. Denies, denies everything, so this is difficult. This is difficult for a lot of reasons. We don't know the exact truth, obviously. And you have a lot of folks that say, yeah, you know, like, shoot, sanctions, bring it on. I mean, let's just, whatever with Saudi Arabia. The first thing is, one, be thankful that we are very close, very close to energy independence in this country. By the way, did you know that we are now The world's largest producer of oil? Yeah, not Saudi Arabia. Russia. Us. Us. Kind of great. We're actually pacing to get there in January. We got there a little bit earlier. It's awfully good about now because if Saudi Arabia and the influence they had um, in OPEC, if they decided, hey, you know what? We don't like you putting pressure on us. And they go ahead and dramatically reduce production. You could see a spike in prices. Obviously, that could hurt the economy. Boom. you, You know what happens there. So that's one thing we got to consider in this entire process. But the bigger one, again, is you do have this new, younger, hip king in Saudi Arabia, who is like, yeah, women can can drive now. I mean, look how progressive I am and, and equal rights and all that. He's on board with us against Iran and with Israel. And where you can get that in the Middle East, you take it for sure. That's what complicates this deal. But the problem still is, mention Sharia law; it's evil wherever it's It's found. There's nothing good about it. We have had 1,589 Islamic terror attacks around the world so far this year. We have had 9,483 people killed, an additional 9,600 injured. Oh, by the way, so Islamic terror is still alive and well. Sharia law and uh, the folks that govern under it still sponsor terrorism, and the least of which is Iran. But here's the problem, the dirty little secret about Sharia law in Islam, in governments, predominantly in the Middle East. There's still over 40 of them that carry the tenets of Sharia, including, by the way, Saudi Arabia. Now, we haven't necessarily had a long track record to see how long that's going to remain part of their government, but the bigger problem is if you're on board with Sharia, your moral compass really sucks. And if you think that you can, like, uh, you know, kill people at will because, I don't know, they're a woman, they were raped, or you're homosexual. What else are you willing to do? Like this journalist thing, for example. So that's where this becomes the tangled web. so it's, it's easy to quarterback this thing. It's much different to, to be pragmatic with everything that's on the line. We're going to have to see where this all goes. Let's go to Isaac in Washington. Isaac go.
0: Hey, Brian. How are you? All good, man. Great day today. All good. Hey, uh, I was talking to your call screener, uh, about Mrs. Pocahontas over here. um, I think that this lady is just trying to make herself seem like a minority to get people just to like her. And, uh, I was telling them, you know, I think that these people, what the Democrats are, are trying to do is just basically turn this country into Mexico or, or even Venezuela. I'm someone, I am here in the United States under the DACA program. And it, I think it, I think it really sucks, you know, that there's, that these people have the nerve to actually put themselves and make themselves look like, oh, we're one under you guys, just to try to get sympathy from anybody and anybody who, who uh, actually cares.
1: How long have you been here, Isaac?
0: I have been here since I was uh, about eight years old.
1: Okay. And uh, how old are you now, or approximately? Right now, I am 33. Okay. So your view of the United States uh, as a child and an adolescent to, to today, what, what's changed and, and what's your perspective?
0: You know what um like in any any like in any race there are good people and there are bad people I've had good experiences and really bad ones too but overall what what people have in this country is is like uh, let me let me just say this uh the the privileges the the everything that people have in this country a lot a lot, a lot of the most of the, lot, if, if not everybody in the democratic party takes it for granted you know, I, it, it 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 just uh, to me, it's frustrating because when I when I remember when when first Donald Trump was running for president, oh, everybody, all these celebrities saying, oh,
1: we're going to leave this country. Hey, I would love to take their spot. <laughs> they never do. They always say it and they never do. It's so disappointing. I would love I would love to take Miley Cyrus's spot or, call, or
0: or what's his name, Kaepernick's spot. If he if he's so unhappy, I'd love to his
1: spots. Well, Colin Kaepernick is way, making way too much money. Being uh, the the role the the victim who who sacrificed everything, making what about estimated a hundred million dollars, uh, just a little bit more than he would have made as a backup quarterback in the NFL. So yeah, I mean he he fully has uh, capitalized on his victim status. And uh, Isaac, I appreciate the the call and the perspective. You know, it's interesting. I'm here in South Florida. I'm Brian Mud filling in for Mark Levin, by the way. And in in South Florida, Hispanic means about thirty different things. And people will always oversimplify it. And it's part of the reason, by the way, you have a lot of folks that get Florida elections wrong. Because you'll have some of these uh, pollsters or analysts out there who will say, you know, hey, nationally, Hispanics break X percent for Democrats. And they see that, hey, we have a very large Hispanic contingent in Florida. And they go, well, those people are going to break for Democrats at this percent. Well, hold on. Hold on for just a minute. You have to figure out all the different interests and all the various different uh, groups that are here, all the Caribbean islands that are represented. Mexico, yes, you do have South and Central America that's also represented. One of the things that I found to be most interesting, kind of like uh, Isaac was indicating there, here on DACA, for many on the right, there are stereotypes and assumptions. For example... If someone's here on DACA, they probably are an Obama type of Democrat. They don't like Donald Trump, right? Well, not, not necessarily. Uh, big misconception that way. Kind of like, hey, you know, X number of Hispanics will break this way regardless of where they're from or what their interests are. you got to get to know the people. And I found far more often than not that people who really sought out the United States, true immigrants they wanted a better life, overwhelmingly overwhelmingly are more conservative than not certainly socially more conservative than the, the Democrats have been in a very long time. But even in terms of economics, I mentioned earlier this hour, you have a lot of the younger uh, folks, you have millennials, for example, who are starting to have their eyes open to what this economy can do, what the United States economy is capable of. They didn't know before because they became adults during the recession and then the Obama economy. So now they're just starting to go, wow, you know, things can be different. I've seen it even around radio here with some folks that have been here over the years. Like, wow, you know, it really can't get better. Yeah, it can. Same deal with a lot of Hispanics, a lot of different backgrounds. A lot of folks that want a better life, if they can obtain it, they're going to want more of that. And so what we've actually been seeing increasingly is a trend towards them. Two of the most watched districts in the country did a BBC special on the midterm elections. They wanted to highlight six different regions of the country and the toss-up elections. As the case may be, in South Florida here, we have the two most heavily Democratic districts currently represented by Republicans in the United States House. They're districts 26 and 27 in Florida. In District 26, you had Hillary Clinton win in that district in 2016 by 16 points. But you had Carlos Corbello, the current representative, who's a Republican, win by five or six points. You go, how does that happen? That wouldn't happen in other parts of the country, Right. I mean, there are too many people that just vote the ticket. If you're voting for Hillary Clinton, how could you vote for any Republican? Congressionally. Again, what I was just mentioning. Not as a conventional as the not so uh, conventional wisdom or, or wise thought would have you think. There's a lot more to the story when you start talking about Hispanics and immigrants that want a better life. In District 27, you have Hillary Clinton having won that district by 20 points. 20 points. And you had the retiring Ileana Ross-Layton win that district by 10. I mean, that's the difference here. And that's why it's important to break beyond some of these stereotypes to really understand some of the dynamics. Many folks do not support the left and what they've been doing from... The immigration stance, uh, and, and many folks that are here on DACA got a disproportionate number in, in South Florida. I've talked to a lot of them over the years. They might surprise you politically. So anyway, just a little food for thought as we are three weeks away from election day. Let's go to Ryan, who wants to take me to task. Ryan in San Francisco, go.
5: Hey, uh, hey, you you mentioned that you know uh, people who smoke pot are all dumb or whatever. Eh, not quite, uh, but not or, or not educated or not nah, politically. Not quite. You kind of came across that. Way.
1: I made a stereotype uh, about it, yes, but you're you're here to tell me that's not the case. You and your bong uh, I'm, I'm, are are, I'm are on the right side.
5: I, I work my ass off. I actually got a good. Um, you know, I got my crumbs back from from uh, <laughs> Trump, and
1: uh, uh, there you are in the and, land of Nancy Pelosi. Yep.
5: And, and exactly right, and I'm going to vote red up and down the ticket. Amen, brother. I'm actually going to look into all my city council people now and and ask them because I only got 21 days left, so I got to get going.
1: God bless you, brother. And uh, duly noted, duly noted. I did make kind of a a nasty stereotype about the dope smoking folks and and maybe uh, how they would vote. So I have, this is a, a really uh, interesting show we're having here because managed to have a 22-year-old biology student last hour from Washington, D.C., which, by the way, 91% of Washington, D.C. votes for Democrats. And, and he is a thoughtful, pragmatic conservative. And now we've got someone who is, uh, you know, in the bong from San Francisco. And he's a conservative. I mean, you know, moving mountains. That is your your Donald Trump Republican Party. It's uh, kinda interesting, kinda cool. All right, I'm Brian Mudd, in for the great one. Mud Lovin.
7: It's up to the president, but what I would do, I know what I'm gonna do, we're gonna sanction the hell out of Saudi Arabia. You know, we deal with bad people all the time, but this is in our face. I feel personally offended. They have nothing but contempt for us. Why would you put a guy like me and the president in this box after all the president has done? This guy's got to go. Sorry Arabia, if you're listening, there are a lot of good people you can choose, but MBS has tainted your country and tainted himself.
1: It's kind of like Lindsey Graham did his version of coming out, isn't it? I mean, holy cow! Ever since the Kavanaugh thing, has been a whole new Lindsey Graham, and he's he's out and he's loving every minute of it. I mean, this is this is enjoyable for him. I mean, just sanction the hell out of him. Mean, the old stodgy, boring Lindsey Graham. Anyway, uh, in this particular case, that's what makes me nervous. That's what makes me nervous. Just the the idea. Eh, just sanction the hell out of him. Okay, well, what happens, for example, if Saudi Arabia says, "Hey, eh, you know what?" I know we had kind of been with you on uh, Israel and against Iran, but, uh, you know, we, we aren't feeling quite as, as cordial as we had previously. What happens then? Uh, what happens if they say, you know what? Uh, we're just going to go ahead and turn off the spigot at OPEC and see what happens to oil prices and see if we can't uh, do something uh, to wreck the economy a little bit there for you. El Presidente. Again, th- things that, that could happen. Any number of different implications. So I think it's easy for Lindsey Graham, who's out there and loving every minute of it, enjoying this newfound freedom. Maybe being the person he always wanted to be, that he finally feels at at peace being. It's kind of fascinating if you think about it. And I I digress here. You have Lindsey Graham who's like, holy cow. I came out. I maybe said things that that I've always meant to be saying. And people liked it. You know, you talk about the, the Trump effect. I mean, take a look at it in the Republican Party. Mitch McConnell got an incredible reception in Kentucky the other night. I mean, when does that ever happen? I mean, it's an interesting day. And these people clearly enjoying this, this newfound freedom the Trump effect that has come over them. But it's complicated. It's complicated. So I don't know that. hell, let's just go sanction the hell out of them. That's the best answer. And I'm not sure that we're necessarily going to find our our friend uh who uh is mysteriously well where exactly Jamal Kisaki let's go to Aaron in Kansas Aaron go
5: oh, just a quick question if the king denies any knowledge of it and whatnot, give us a body uh it's obvious he's not in the consulate anymore. Give us a body. This poor guy's in a hole somewhere still being
7: tortured.
1: You know, it's an interesting thought. If you were going to be really, uh, I don't know, uh, if you're going to engage in in war gaming, I I suppose you could end up putting up any number of scenarios, none the least of which would be, well, maybe when you had the Saudi officials leave the consulate, they left with them. You know, if you are there, there are any number of things that could happen. I'm not sure that it would make sense for him to remain there and be tortured because, well, you're going to have many more potential witnesses and a lot more difficult situation for even Turkey to account for at that point. So of all the scenarios that two weeks later, he's still there being tortured, I would think would be among the least likely. But, hey, to your point, anything could be possible. Appreciate the call. Now, I've been talking about the oddities, the oddities. Politically, and, and some of the assumptions that often are not wise. Here's one for you. You ready? For the first time since 2014, according to Gallup, the Republican Party is viewed more favorably than Democrats. Currently, 45% of Americans hold a favorable view of Republicans compared to 44% for Democrats. Lindsey Graham is probably loving every minute of it. I'm Brian Mudd, in for the great one.
2: I don't think he's a serious person. He's not. I don't think, Abby, the, the lawyer, I don't think he's. I just beat him in a big case. I just. You did,
6: I, by the way, I you're going to have to pay the in fact, legal fees? fact, he has to fees? pay me
2: legal fees. She he does? does? I she don't does. think he has any money. But he and she have to pay me a lot of legal fees. And it's based gonna on Texas. You're going to hold them accountable for that? Based on Texas law. I love Texas. Based on Texas law where the legal fees are nice and plentiful.
6: Uh-huh. And you'll hold them
7: to that?
2: Are you, are you serious? Of course. I'm just asking. Wouldn't <laughs> you be disappointed if I said you know, they'll pay a lot? <laughs>
1: <laughs> that was uh the president with trish Regan from fox business uh just a, a few hours ago oh it's entertaining for sure and uh, there's so many different directions i want to go by the way i'm a two-trick pony when it comes to references i'm really proud of myself if i branch away from monty python or seinfeld and the only thing i've had on my mind <laughs> with what the president has been up to. Uh, and I had to go back and pull the quote because it was amazing. It was uh, the one of the uh, Seinfeld episodes where I think it was actually Kathy Griffin who, uh, ironically enough, uh, Jerry was talking about, said that she does stink and she should quit, but I don't want it to be because of me. It should be the traditional route. Years of rejection and failure until she spit out of the bottom of the porn industry. I can't help but to feel like that's what's happening Right here, except in the case of Stormy, you know, she started out in the porn industry. You do have the interesting characterizations of her, right? You know, she'll, she'll go from uh, a certain level of decorum. You know, she is a, an adult film star. Other times, she is a, a porn actress or whatever. It's, uh, it's interesting, but nevertheless. By the way, I am your uh, South Florida friend, Brian Mudd, doing a morning show. On WJNO in West Palm Beach, a mid-morning show after that, WIOD in Miami. And every now and then, I think the uh, uh, folks at uh, Fox News uh, run out of radio people to uh, put on TV, and they put me on. So I'm a uh, guest contributor to Fox and do some other things here and there. It's always an honor and a pleasure uh, to be able to fill in for the great one, Mark Levin. And uh, holy cow, uh, this happened as well, related to the whole Stormy daniels Avenatti thing earlier today. The president, about four hours or so ago, tweeted out, citing Fox News federal judge throws out Stormy Daniels lawsuit versus Trump. Trump is entitled to full legal fees. And uh, commenting off of that, uh, President Trump said, Great, now I can go after Horseface and her third rate lawyer in the great state of Texas. She will confirm the letter she signed. She knows nothing about me. A total con. All right, there you go. Good old horse face. Oh, boy. (laughs) So that happened. And then kind of speaking of some of the nonsensical things that are happening out there, you got the Taylor Swift effect. Remember um, a couple of Sundays ago where the earth moved because Taylor Swift, the Taylor Swift, she did it after years, after years of the entertainment industry. And the folks on the left, they finally got her to do it. That was going to move literally one of the mountains, I think, in eastern Tennessee. The Taylor Swift effect as she weighed in with her Tennessee values. Which the first thing to know is that Taylor Swift is to Tennessee what Elizabeth Warren is to Cherokee Indians. Not one of them. Oh, by the way, small details. I'll get there. I uh, I couldn't help myself but to put together some information on Taylor Swift and on the race that she endorsed and her clear lack of understanding of any of it. When I ended up reading, this was a headline, I believe it was on Sunday on CNBC, how Taylor Swift's political endorsement could become the biggest ripple ever at the polls. Biggest ripple ever at the polls. I mean, okay, okay, maybe, just maybe not how you thought. Here's an excerpt. Last week, pop star Taylor Swift made waves by breaking her stance of political neutrality and backing Democratic congressional candidates in her home state of Tennessee. The effect of Swift's surprise endorsement, which was made via an Instagram post, were felt right away as thousands of people between the ages of 18 and 29 registered to vote according to vote.org. Ooh, it's happening. Okay. Now I'm going to get straight to the point about the Taylor Swift effect that some of the media as recently as a couple of days ago, were still like, Oh my gosh, it's happening. I think it's quieted down a little bit over the past day or so, because I think more of them are like being pointed to the polls and going, Hey, uh, You see what's happening in Tennessee earlier? See, um, Taylor's specific endorsement of the Democrat, Bill Bredenson in in Tennessee's U.S. Senate race, you see at the the time of the endorsement, Marsha Blackburn, the Republican challenger in this race, she was averaging a three-point lead in the three most recent polls in Tennessee, all right? Blackburn, three-point lead in the three most recent polls prior to the Taylor Swift effect. Where is she today? In the three most recent polls in that particular race, her lead is now nine points. So, oh, not exactly what you probably thought would happen here. So the Taylor Swift effect in the immediate aftermath of the race that she finally weighed in on is negative 6% in a week. So I like to say you got two sides to stories and one side to facts, but... Here's the deal. You got a lot of folks that are familiar familiar with the concept that for every action, got the equal and opposite reaction, right? We had a science guy on earlier in the show. Here's the thing. Um, in, In the South in particular, you have a lot of folks that will end up getting energized about the moment. You got celebrities that are weighing in and specifically When she ended up outing herself pretty much immediately for her lack of understanding of pretty much everything, including the person she was endorsing. See, if you're in Tennessee and you're following politics, you might have noticed that she was a bit of an obvious hypocrite for a few reasons, among others. Now she said that Marsha Blackburn doesn't represent her Tennessee values But you see, here's the the, the dirty little detail. Taylor isn't actually from Tennessee. She's from Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Huh. And she happened to only move to Tennessee to pursue her music career in high school. Oh, by the way, she's lived there less than half her life. You know, hence the, you know, Taylor Swift is to Tennessee values as, say, uh, Elizabeth Warren is to to Cherokee Indians. You know, the, the person sometimes referred to as Elizabeth Warren, better known as the bad Pocahontas. Now, on. Now, she spoke of supporting LGBT rights. LGBT rights, as part of her Tennessee values, by the way. <clears throat> Guess what? The Democrat that she endorsed, Phil Bredenson, he doesn't support gay marriage and a bunch of other issues. He's on the record as much. So it's clear that she's never even looked into what he believes in. No clue. (laughs) And then you got the optics. You see, for maybe you could activate some of those young folks in, in Nashville that are, yeah. But here's the thing. Anybody noticed that you got Taylor Swift endorsing an old white guy who does not support Gay marriage and a host of other LGBT rights that Taylor says are part of her Tennessee values from Pennsylvania. So she's endorsing an, the old white guy. It's bad, evil these days in leftist politics, right? Over a younger woman. Huh. Huh. Interesting. I mean, and there's a whole lot more. We, we could continue down that rabbit hole, but it's not necessary. But you see, those in Tennessee, they pretty much get the point, too. And you long, you long. In terms of Tennessee values, I'm from suburban Georgia, lived in Knoxville for a time when I was small, and am pretty familiar with Tennessee values. And they take a look at these celebrity and and Hollywood endorsements and, uh, well, not often impressed. So it probably is going to continue to have the opposite of the effect that they were anticipating. I mean, come on. All these celebrity endorsements work, right? Katy Perry holding up Hillary Clinton's arm. By the way, wasn't that an awkward moment? I mean, that did the trick. It always does. And so, here's the funny thing. If you're taking a look at when celebrity endorsements actually matter, well, she kind of missed her moment. You see, if she actually wanted somebody with her Pennsylvania, Tennessee, LGBT rights values she could have actually weighed in in the primary because Columbia University actually did prove that some Democrats are impressed by celebrities. For example, Columbia University, they did show pretty empirically that in the 2008 Democratic presidential primary, Oprah Winfrey's endorsement really did encourage an additional million people, largely black, to vote for Barack Obama over Hillary Clinton. So if only Taylor Swift had weighed in with her Pennsylvania LGBT Tennessee values, maybe she wouldn't have ended up with an old white guy who doesn't support gay marriage or the LGBT rights that made her look like she is as clueless as she actually is. And she could have had somebody that, you know, is going to, I don't know, shake it off. Do whatever it is that she does these days. But nice try, Taylor. Nice try. And by the way, by the way, as for Tennessee values, Part of the reason why you have the Democrat, Phil Branson, that is not supportive of those things. 81% of Tennesseans are Christians, 52% of the evangelical variety. Oh, by the way, so you you might want to at least investigate the state that you claim to be from, that you represent the values of. Just saying. Two sides of stories, one side of facts. Anyway, uh, we're, we're just getting warmed up this hour. Brian Mudd in for the Great One. Mudd, love in.
2: Prisoners are tortured. They are forced to renounce their religion and to pledge allegiance to the Communist Party.
1: Well that is the one good thing we got going at the United Nations on our way out Nikki Haley by the way do you know who she was talking about there I mean any number of countries right China China Whew, that kind of sounds bad in that context you might have thought it was Saudi Arabia or something no no not not any of those it was China which oh by the way Jeff Bezos Holy cow Jeff Bezos stepped up to the plate I'll tell you about that in a moment first. I won the wife lottery. She's amazing. Number one, she puts up with me and, and just for that, she deserves a medal, but uh, she, she uh, sent me a text when uh, I was making the analogy with Taylor Swift and uh, one Pocahontas. That uh, The Taylor Swift is in one in 1024th Tennessean. So there you go. That, uh, that is, is how authentic Taylor Swift's Tennessee values really are. Now, Jeff Bezos stepping up to the plate and doing something kind of amazing. You might have noticed this trend of technology companies of late with all of their friends in Silicon Valley that have all this diversity of thought, such such diversity that the lone conservative apparently left at Facebook is now uh, out of the company. He left uh, yesterday, I believe it was. So now you have complete open-mindedness with the exact same mindset. At uh, pretty much all of these companies. So what's happened increasingly. Is that you have them voting. Here are the best and brightest minds. They involve all the, the codes. And, and everything that goes into building software. And building whatever it is. That they're creating. at insert technology company here. And they happen to apparently now. Hate the United States of America. So anytime a defense contract deal. Or something with the federal government comes up. They are protesting it from the inside and, and threatening their companies to leave should they actually bid and and work on a project for the federal government. I mean, that makes perfect sense, right? Because it would be much better for, I don't know, China, before mentioned there from Nikki Haley to step in and, and fill that void. I'm sure that would work out in our best interest over the long run. Jeff Bezos, Jeff Bezos stepped up to the plate today and said that we need American companies to be doing those deals. And that will be much worse off if they're not. So, amen. Jeff Bezos finally said what Mark Zuckerberg was not willing to say or anybody else, anybody else, including even the uh, now late Paul Allen, co founder of Microsoft. Okay, so staying with the entertainment theme for a moment, head on here from CNN. Why Matt Damon's hilarious SNL skit couldn't stop. The Kavanaugh confirmation. I mean, these people are. You realize that that whole Matt Damon SNL skit was designed. They they actually thought it would stop him from being confirmed. They take themselves that seriously now. That's why Matt Damon apparently took on that role. You. Through SNL, are going to stop this. Here is uh, an excerpt. It's hard to imagine a more comprehensive takedown of a political figure than the one Saturday Night Live executed on Brett Kavanaugh and its season premiere last month, at a time when the judges' fade seemed to be hanging in the balance. What? It's hard to imagine a more comprehensive takedown than Matt Damon playing Kavanaugh in SNL? And he's dead freaking Serious. Damon added several layers of ridicule to Kavanaugh's angry, aggressive testimony before the Senate presenting him as a sputtering, sniffing, weeping, beer-loving, oh, the beer. Kerry, I, I love beer, by the way. You love beer? Yeah, beer? By the way, I don't actually love beer. I don't really like beer. I, just, I That's me. I'm a wine guy. Insert joke here. Anyway, but uh, a caricature of, of judicial temperament. In light of the sexual assault accusations against him, which he has denied, the sketch included an especially devastating line. Devastating line. I'm not backing down. I don't know the meaning of the word stop. Uh, These guys are serious. That evidently was what they had worked. This is the moment. You see what's going to happen here? I don't know the meaning of the word stop. That's going to be the one. You know what that means, because, you know, hey, Uh uh-huh. And then, a few hours before the dress rehearsal of the show's next episode, Kavanaugh was confirmed as a justice to the Supreme Court. Oh, off the whore. SNL can hardly be blamed or mocked for failing to keep Kavanaugh off the court. You're right, this is the world these people live in. This is a world that... Say, so, yeah, t- go talk about your Tennessee values, Taylor Swift. Go get that old white guy who's not supportive of gay marriage. Go talk about your LGBT values. Unreal. Brian Mudd in for the great one. Mark Levin.
5: The establishment's worst
1: nightmare. Mark Levin. Call in now, 877-381-3811.
5: We reached out to, like I said, the uh, local Hazmat team and our local fire department, working with federal authorities and the U.S. Capitol Police as well as as this investigation moves forward.
1: Oh, don't worry about that. It's not a big deal. That is uh, just the Banger PD. Wade Betters from the Banger PD. Talking there and and go, Banger, Banger, Maine? Yeah, Banger, Maine. Why? What's that about? Well, it's just more peace-loving liberals there because uh, the Collins family home, actually, her husband, ended up taking in a threat letter that said it contained ricin at the house, by the way. Just, again, more peace, love, and and liberalism to where, uh, hey, you didn't vote the way we wanted to, so now we're going to threaten to kill you. In your family, I you know, oh okay, well that's you know, makes, from the party of course uh, to where hey if Mr. Holder, you know the the Attorney General, you know the the former top law guy in the country. I mean you, you can really see the value system here. When they go low, we kick them. Oh okay, violence, yeah that, that's cool. Uh, just like Maxine Waters and what I was encouraged there. I mean it's not like we had uh, somebody who went and and hunted down Republicans at a baseball field or anything. Oh wait we. <laughs> Gee, it's almost, it's almost like it's embedded in many of these uh, Democrats. Huh. Yeah, just the peace and the love, the open-mindedness. It's all there for you. It's all there. You can feel the love. Feel the love. Mm. Why wouldn't you want to be part of that, by the way? That's all I'm saying. Uh, Let's go to Joe in Jersey. Joe, go.
5: Hey, Brian, how are you? All good. Uh, while I was waiting for you, I even thought of something in extension to what I want to talk about with what you were just touching on. But um this, this Taylor Swift thing, could it be even a larger on a larger scale where people are just rejecting uh the Hollywood talking heads as being anybody of any value or lack of value whatsoever? That's number one. Number two, I don't know if you recall, but on the night of 9-11, you remember they had that. Music vigil, uh, vi- uh, vigil with Springsteen and Tom Petty, where they were pounding the war drums. Do you recall that?
1: Not really, to be honest with you.
5: They all came on, and Tom Petty sung his "We Won't Back Down." Um, it was all, uh, it was all a uh, kind of aggressive music uh, that hinted towards "We're Coming at You." But they're the same. They were cut from the same cloth, especially Springsteen, where they were anti-war. Uh, it, they, they are just so hypocritical. I'm hoping to God that people are just not taking them serious anymore.
1: Well, I can take. I tell you this much, in, in Tennessee in particular, there are some places where the celebrity is going to play. If you're in California, I have no doubt that it plays. In fact, there's research that did show uh, from Columbia University back to 2008. Uh, presidential primary to where there are democrats uh, a percentage of them that are activated by celebrity but you've got to you know somebody's got to be open to the message it's what i talk about when uh, i'll describe being politically persuasive one of the most common questions i get how is it that i find somebody who i can uh, you know convince of of what's right well the first thing is you got to find somebody who's open to the information if you find somebody who's close-minded well, it doesn't matter how hard you try. They're not open to the information. So in the case of the celebrities, when you're talking about what's going on in Tennessee, well, you've got a large swath of that population that is not not going to be turned on by a celebrity endorsement. But what's worse, and this is the most offensive thing, and I, I say this, yeah, I'm not really a true southerner in the sense that I'm from suburban Atlanta. And, and to be honest with you, I didn't even know what the, the saying get out of Dodgement until I was 16. That kind of thing didn't come up where, where I was from. But I do understand a lot of Southern culture. And, you know, when you say that you have Tennessee values and you're not only not from Tennessee, but you're from Pennsylvania, I mean, to many of the folks in Tennessee, that's those people. Yeah, so it's kind of like, I mean, no offense to you in, in, in Jersey, Joe, but I mean, in Tennessee, you know, Jersey, eh, not, not the best reputation so uh, anyway it's a
5: good point the state the, well jersey's kind of cut in half you know uh almost at the center of the state um for the most part um and i'm down in the you know the more conservative area but i i just ho- i'm hoping to god that these numbers who, who who rely on these celebrities for their political opinions are shrinking more and more and more that's that's my hope
1: yeah, I, I think the only celebrity that uh, you necessarily have to worry about in terms of this cycle is the president of the United States. <laughs> I mean, there is that irony to a certain extent. You know, he's obviously successful independent of the celebrity, but, you know, hey, just uh, pointing out what somebody otherwise probably will if I don't. All right, appreciate it, Joe. And Menendez, I mean, come on, really? You, you got some work to do in Jersey. Uh, let's go to. Liberal Lynn in uh, Arizona, not happy with what's going on in North Dakota. Hey, Lynn.
6: Uh, I'm still so not liberal. I have always been on both sides of the fence. And honestly, with the sense of sounding egotistical, you should have somebody call me back and let you let me tell you my entire story. But in order to cut it short, uh, very quickly, I did vote for Obama. I uh, um, I fully believe in gay rights. I fully believe in freedom of religion. I fully believe in a woman's right to a woman's right to choose. Um all down the line. I but I have always been I never succumb to what anybody tells me without my own thought process behind it. Good. And so I am the absolute I am that moderate that everybody wanted me over to the other side because Usually, you know, I do preach those very social, liberal values. However, I've also owned small business most of my adult life, and I voted for Trump this year because, yeah, you can be whoever you want to be. I shouldn't have to pay for it. So okay. you now with everything yep. that's going on and, and watching the Kavanaugh thing, and yes, I'm upset that you're not making a bigger deal over the Heidi Heitkamp Freaking campaign ad that just came out in in North Dakota because that is I oh I, I mention I'm also a, I am a true sexual abuse victim with documentation. Mm. So I'm sorry. I am moderate that everybody wants to pull over. Unfortunately, at this point, I'm going to tell you straight up: if my kids. I don't care if we go back 50 years. If my kids have to sit on a table and get an, a, you know, a, a butcher job abortion or God forbid you have to round up and start ghettos again and put my LGBT friends in a camp, I am all for it. Put that right, that right wing guy in there and do that because at this point I feel that I have a better chance of converting them over to my true value beliefs, which are everything, which is it goes against everything I just said, because at least they will listen to me. But this Democratic Party and what they are doing has so fouled me to their mm. side with this blatant hypocrisy and just freaking utilization of people and my ideas, my ideas that I believe in.
1: Well, Lynn, you, uh, you you raise a number of interesting points, and it sounds like you have been very much politically involved and evolving over a long window of time. You're not atypical from a lot of likely Trump voters, and even it's difficult because I'm not sure the delineation between conservatives versus Republicans versus moderate, it's really hard anymore with labels. But what I will say, and I see this a lot with especially younger Republican-esque voters, what you're basically describing is that you are a social liberal, but you're fiscally conservative. And ultimately, it's how do you want your government to be run? Now, in the grand scheme of things, if we're talking about the values that you just represented, is Donald Trump likely to strip any of those potential rights rights? From any of the, the aforementioned, no. Is Donald Trump going to you know, be the guy to, to try to, to push for the elimination of, of gay marriage? No, he's not. Uh, for that matter, he's even told justice to stand down when it comes to marijuana enforcement. You know, he's not the most conservative guy. I mean, take a look at his own personal life. It tells you as much. So you do have a lot of fiscal conservatives. And I'll give you an idea. You know, I'm, I'm a little bit of a quandary. Politically, myself, I you know don't generally talk about it quite this way, but I personally am quite conservative. And when it comes to social values, I live my life as kind of like a half-ass Catholic. You know, if I said I was a good Catholic, it wouldn't be true. So I want to be honest. So you know, yeah, i kind of like a half-ass Catholic, but uh, you know, I adhere to that that kind of value system. So, for example, you know, personally, I'm pro-life, but I believe in a libertarian form of government. So when it comes to social issues. I am more inclined to get the government out of the way. For example, I don't think the government should be involved at all in marriage. Why is it that the government dictates marriage? Why is it that the tax code has ever delineated based upon one marital status? We've created so many issues, so many issues that way that didn't have to be created because we put government into the mix. So I am inclined. It's like with marijuana. A lot of people think that. Uh, you know, because I I will rail against it. Like we have, you know, medical marijuana legalized in Florida, which in a lot of states do, and you have the recreational use in several more states. I'll rail against it, and and people, oh, you're just anti-marijuana. No, I'm not. I don't care. You smoke your crap as long as you keep it away from me and don't hurt anybody. My issue is that it's not legal. You know, I I believe again in the premise, and so you know, in the case of something like marijuana, well. It needs to be either legalized or, at the minimum, decriminalized by the federal government. Otherwise, all we're doing in all these states, like mine, is thumbing our nose at the United States Constitution. It doesn't work that way. And that's the reason that we got all this kind of horse crap stuff going on where you can't use the financial system. And it creates a whole host of problems under that. And you have doctors that will go, you know, given like a wink and a nod because you can't actually issue a prescription. Because, oh, by the way, you're trying to issue guidance on a Schedule One drug. So again, that is I I think where you're coming from, more of a position that is prevalent within a Trump supporter, but even maybe even a young younger uh, Republican esque again voters for the lack of a better label, and certainly I think people who are constitutionalist. So uh, anyway, uh, my my heart goes out to you for having been a victim. Best to you and your family, uh, and uh, may God bless. And by the way, for Hyde Camp in North Dakota. I mean, come on. High camp in North Dakota, you're, you're talking about a state that Trump won by 36 points. And her, she's voted with Donald Trump uh, approximately 40% of the time. I, I mean, you, it doesn't exactly line up with the North Dakotan values. I mean, I, I don't know what Taylor Swift would say, but just saying. I'm Brian Mudd, in for the great one. Mud Lubin.
7: This election now is down to simple things. Are you for what they did to Kavanaugh? Are you for having your government run by a mob? Are you for sort of a rule of law, persons presumed innocent? What kind of country do you want and who do you want to run it? Do you want these people who spit on me and yell at me being in charge? Or do you want a more orderly process? Judge Kavanaugh represents the best in our legal community. He was treated like garbage, despicable, and I hope they pay a price.
1: That is the artist formerly known as Lindsey Graham, United States Senator from South Carolina, who whole different person since the Kavanaugh hearings, and he's been liberated. Liberated, and he's loving it. All right. Uh by by the way, I want you uh to, to do something that is uh super, super important for your kids, for your grandkids. There is a, a book out on the thirtieth. It's October thirtieth, couple weeks. That is uh From Mark Levin's dad, Jack, it's called Our Police. And now more than ever, it is critical. It is absolutely critical that we raise a generation with an appreciation for the folks that put on the badge every day, leave their families, go to keep us safe. I mean, we know what goes on anymore. Super, super important. And Our Police, beautifully written. And it's got wonderful illustrations. So go ahead and get it pre-ordered. Again, it's coming out October 30th. You can pre-order it on Amazon right now. Our Police by Jack Levin. Now, Lindsay talking about the midterms there. One of the things I'm inclined to tell you is that the most pervasive form of bias in the media is omitting. Is omitting. gonna give you a little something here. Somewhat related. Investors' Business Daily headline, Trump's approval rating is better than you think. Here's an excerpt. Trump has been enjoying a rare string of good news. The economy is humming, and the jobless rate just hit a 49-year low. Trump won an intense battle over Brett Kavanaugh's nomination to the Supreme Court. He secured a replacement for NAFTA. His poll numbers are edging up and Republican prospects in the midterm elections appear to have improved. But according to the Gallup poll, Trump's approval rating as of his 632nd day in office was 44%. As a matter of fact, Trump's approval rating is now higher than or tied with three of the past six presidents at this point in their first terms. Oh, by the way, right? Something you probably hadn't heard before. He's currently tied with Obama at 44%, And above both Clinton at 41% and Reagan, 42% at this same stretch in their presidency. Did you know that? Higher approval rating at this point than both Clinton and Reagan. Tied with Obama, but here's what's more. And this is not in the Investor's Business Daily article. Every Friday I go through all the polling information that's been accredited for the past week. I put together some information, try to see what's really going on out there. Among likely voters, you average out likely voters. Donald Trump's approval rating right now is four points higher among likely voters than Barack Hussein Obama at the same point in his presidency. Oh, by the way, again, most pervasive form. Why in the media is omitting oh and and uh I see this got to take this call Tennessee values we got uh we got Taylor Swift's Tennessee values, Caroline in Nashville, Caroline go
6: hey, I'm actually from Collierville, but that's uh, quite all right <laughs> oh, okay, I'm right outside of Memphis, Tennessee, and I just wanted to say that as to Tennessee values uh sixty two percent of us voted with Donald Trump in the presidential election uh. Um, of the other 38%, uh, the Democrats didn't get very many votes. They actually, some of them just couldn't vote for Trump and voted for other candidates that were out there on their own, my brother being one of them. But, uh, you know, I just I just want to say that it's going to take more than the ramblings of Taylor Swift <laughs> to change our minds. So, so uh, uh, you,
1: you, you in Tennessee, you're going to shake it off?
6: Yeah, we're going to shake it off. <laughs> we're not <laughs> even going to really pay any attention. If it, if it hadn't been reported in the media It would have been beneath
1: my notice. All right. So there you have it. Caroline and company in Tennessee. Going to shake it off. Taylor Swift's uh, Pennsylvania, Tennessee values. Brian Mudd, it's been an honor and a pleasure being with you. Uh, You can catch me on Twitter at Brian Mudd Radio. The great one, Mark Levin, will be back with you next week. Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin.